Nate somewhere out there is smiling. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, joining us on work release out of the dungeon is the one and only Merzane. What's happening, my guy? Nothing much. I feel like uh, the beginning of every Power Rangers episode when um, <laughs> the, I can't remember. Her name. I, I Rita, had her name and I lost Rita. it. Rita, yeah. Where Rita's like, after 10,000 years, I'm free. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the exact vibe I've got going right now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically what's happening. So you're welcome, world, for unleashing Merzane upon you. <laughs> you poor people. <laughs> you poor, poor people. Well, we've got an interesting show today that I'm excited. We're going to cover a, a broad range of topics. We haven't had any real spoilers in a while, and that's okay, actually. I think it like works out perfectly with Adepticon coming up and everything. So today we're going to talk a little bit about con stuff. We're going to finalize my roster, get that all, all looking pretty and dangerous and wizardy and stuff. And, uh, yeah, just some general con stuff that I am uh, very excited to talk about. And that's why this is not a special report. This is just your regularly scheduled pre-Adepticon house party protocol. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Merzane, without further ado, I think let's go ahead and talk about big conventions and, and big events and stuff like that first, because Nate and I talked a little bit about this last week, but we kind of glossed over some stuff, I feel, as well. And I want to start with rehashing something I said on that podcast, in case you didn't listen to it. It is, if you're going to a big event, make sure to have fun. First and foremost, you are there to have fun, and even though you might drop a game or two or make a mistake still remember to have fun. That's one of those things that can be easy to forget in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what do you yeah. have, Merzane, like in terms of when you're going to a big event, like anything that, that you should should remember or anything like that other than just like, okay, obviously remember your cards, double, triple check your cards, triple check your models, that kind of stuff. Like that that seems obvious, but at the same time, Maybe somebody out there is just like, no, I know this stuff is in this one spot. Double check. Uh, a sealed container of glue. Uh, you don't want to bring the one you usually build with. Because uh, it's a good way to have glue all over the inside of your suitcase or whatever. Uh, but like a new, brand new bottle of whatever kind of glue you use. That way you can make repairs on the fly. Um, like at the con. And you don't risk it like messing up on the journey. Uh, and if you do have to open it, put it in something like a plastic bag on your way home. Yeah. Uh, and then you just have a backup glue for when your other glue is done. Uh, that's something I used to do when I played War Machine a little bit. 
Uh, well, I played War Machine a lot. I used to do that a little bit. Let me clarify. Uh, and it's something I gotten out of in this game because I used the uh, the like Tamiya plastic cement. Yeah, yeah. I just need to start getting a thing of Gorilla Glue to go with me places. Yeah, something. that's really good advice because I know even just going to my local hobby shop, I try to have some glue with me just because things happen. I recently had a mishap with my Sentinels. They had a really uh, fast meeting with the ground <laughs> and I was very upset about it, but is what it is. And luckily they weren't painted, so I wasn't feeling too bad about it. So, yeah. Sentinels aren't even painted yet. Dude, I mean, they're silver. They've had, like, the silver spray on them, so there's that. I mean, they're a robot. Silver is all they need. Right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say that's probably deodorant. Deodorant <laughs> is big, okay? I'm going to tell you, coming from Yu-Gi-Oh!, it is important that everybody in a con hall wear deodorant. Uh, this is very important. Because, uh, we know when you don't. Yes. Trust me. Everyone knows someone doesn't have deodorant when we walk in, especially when it starts getting warm. And eventually everyone figures out who it is. Yeah. Uh, so wear some deodorant. Make sure you're, you're clean and you shower, preferably the morning of. You, you'll want to, you, you want to stay clean and hygienic because it's more pleasant for everyone. It makes you feel better. Yes. Um, I know I, at least me, I feel gross if I go too long without washing my hair and I don't even have a lot of hair to wash. Yeah. But I'll, I'll feel gross. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it definitely is one of those things that like, it, it'll take a load, a little bit of a mental load off you to feel like you're, you're, you're clean and fresh and good. That's right. I, I'm, I'm really in agreement with that. It's, it's that little bit of extra mental load that you don't have to worry about knowing that you're squared away and that you're not the guy or gal that everybody is smelling at the table. So it's a good thing. Uh, another thing I would say to add on to this, we were talking about this in the House Party Protocol Discord channel last night. We have an Adepticon tab in there for everybody that's going to Adepticon. And it, it was kind of like, Hey, what should I bring? What am I forgetting? And everybody just starts rattling off random stuff. And one of the things that I think is underrated at a big convention or a big event, and even at a smaller event, but especially one of these big ones where I think if you make it to the top table, you're going to end up playing seven rounds worth of Crisis Protocol, I think, is how this is going to work out, which is just bananas. But comfortable shoes. Like... I am making sure to take my running shoes. They're probably the most comfortable shoes I have. But, like, the most comfortable shoes you have, because you're going to be on your feet all day long for at least one day, if not multiple days, if you're doing multiple things at a big convention like this. Yes. Um, make sure you're wearing comfortable. Like, that is, that's actually really big. Uh you don't want your back hurting in round three and then feel like you have to sit down and you don't want to get to that point where you're like, uh, well, if I don't do well, my next round, I'm just going to drop. Because yeah. even if, even if like winning's not your goal or you're not in the running, you want to be able to like, you want to be able to play. You don't, you, you spend a lot of money and time to get out into this place and you want to be comfortable and not 
hurting and struggling to get your money's and time's worth out of the uh, the event that you've been planning for. So, yeah, yeah, definitely being be wearing comfortable shoes, being comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think in terms of what to bring, you know, water, maybe a little protein bar for a snack, you know, that kind of stuff. I think is also a, a good thing to have access to. Oh yeah. So I uh. I, I second snacks, water and snacks. I used to, when I did War Machine competitively, um, I used to bring a thing of peanut butter crackers and a water bottle for every, literally every round. Yeah. Because, uh, and those were like two hour rounds. So it was really, it was really, I, I used the bat, I peed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. Uh, it gives you, like, that's actually fine, especially if you have friends there that can watch your stuff. Uh, right. Gives you a second to like leave, clear your head a little bit. Get kind of get a little bit of alone time. Um, keeps you hydrated. Make sure you don't get any headache. Um, uh, I probably wouldn't recommend peanut butter crackers anymore. Uh, one of my friends is deathly allergic to peanuts. And I didn't know that in one of our tournaments we went to. Uh, well, I knew that he was allergic and couldn't eat them. But I wasn't aware that his allergy was bad enough that I ate peanut butter crackers and touched his stuff to move it. And when he touched his stuff, he broke out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah Got to be careful. It, so... <laughs> if you could, for the for the the health of the people around you, something that's not peanut butter, uh, a little bit more uh, allergenic friendly. And yeah. on the subject of headaches, I always have like some ibuprofen or oh, yeah. my my preferred headache medicine in my bag, uh, because it it is inevitable if you are thinking hard, you will get a headache, whether it's fatigue or caffeine or water. Uh, at some point, you're going to get a headache, and it's going to be you're not going to have enough time to figure it out because I know for me, at least it's going to be different to nurse those three different kinds of headaches. Uh, <laughs> so pop in a couple of like Advil or something just to, to, to stave it off until you can figure it out, start drinking some water, maybe get a Coke um, or something where your caffeinated beverage of choice that is readily available. Um, that can help stave off that, uh, that mental fatigue, that, that all those headaches and stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really great advice. I'm going to make sure to pack my little thing of ibuprofen. So, yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. And I would have been at the con probably Friday night or Saturday morning because apparently start time is like 8 effing 30. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. I, I mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> i think we i think we both can can equally feel the pain of that yeah so i'm probably gonna be like let me get some of that ibuprofen it's like mm, candy <laughs> yeah i i i learned that because i used to i would just get headaches at the end of the day usually and i just feel bad leaving because i would just stick through it and i'd ignore it and it'd get bad uh, but i've started getting not as bad as they were for a while but i started getting migraines mm. um and i had to learn how to nurse those and how to like feel them coming on and know what to do. And, yeah. and luckily where I'm at, the taking a couple of pills usually makes me feel okay. Um, Good. But that I, I share in that a little bit like, yeah, headaches can really ruin your entire day. Um, especially if you get a bad one and it'll make you feel even worse if you're doing good and you get that headache and you become grumpy and you make mistakes because you're, you're thinking about how bad your head hurts and not how fun the game is and your proper strategies. So take those steps. Uh, Definitely. I have been there. <laughs> Definitely. Trust me on that. Well, Suits, if you can think of anything else that we're forgetting out uh, here, 
about what to do at cons and stuff like that, any tips and tricks, make sure to send us messages and let us know. Also, if you're on our Discord channel, put that in the Adepticon channel and maybe people that haven't left yet are going to be able to see that and remember and grab something or whatever. I think every little bit of information in something like this can help. But, Merzane, you mentioned strategy right there at the end. And I feel like that's a good segue into what we might be seeing at these big conventions. So, again, I'm going to reference last week's episode because it was a really good episode. Nate and I talked about meta and what it means, you know, the acronym of most effective tactics available and and that kind of stuff. And and we talked a lot about kind of generic meta-related things, and we kind of touched on certain characters and certain strategies and stuff like that. But I think something that we left out a little bit and something that I know Merzane is very interested to talk about is the quote-unquote meta game. And I feel like a big event like this is an opportunity to think about the meta game, think about what might be seen and what we can do against that meta game. And before we dive too deep into this, I want to say what is the meta game? Is the meta game popularity or is it something different? I think it's a bit of both. It is models are popular and models that you can expect to see within a given community. I think that's how I would categorize meta meta game. Is that how you would categorize that, Merzane? Or or models or strategies? Sort of. So the metagame is the game around the game. I think y'all mentioned that. But one thing that I feel like got bogged down in your discussion, and you, you said it here, and I don't want to hear it again, okay? We're not going to say it again, is the acronym, Most Effective Tactics Available. Because when we're discussing a metagame, that is not what we're talking about. How do, we, cannot, we cannot quantify what the most att- effective tactics are available objectively. So we, we don't even say it. We can tell what we think it is, and that might be the metagame. But that's not what we're doing. You're kind of right with it being popularity. So, like, if you know that Adepticon is going to be entirely populated by people from Birmingham and then two guys from Memphis. This is unrealistic. This is stupid. But bear with me. Um, And let's say that you know Birmingham, the, the Steel City, you know, we all love Brotherhood. And we're also the Magic City, so we love Convocation. And, you know, every single person besides you and the Memphis guy, are going to play Brotherhood and Convocation. Well, that's not the most effective tactics available, but that's the metagame. That's what's being played in that environment. And so your plan to metagame the meta, to, to game the, the environment, is to figure out what you can do to best combat that. Not necessarily your most effective tactics available, because maybe something like a grab and run would be the most effective generally but in this case, it wouldn't be. Um, so popularity is kind of part of it, because if you have a meta that's really Black Order heavy, you know, you got a plan for that, whereas I don't think they're a super popular affiliation throughout. Um, but you do have to consider it. And it's and when you break that down further, you have two forms, right? You have Thanos and, and Corvus. Well, you're more likely to see Thanos, so in your plan, you plan for Thanos, because that's more likely to be the meta be the popular version the one that you'll see um corvus is good to have a plan but if you have to plan for one you plan for the one you're you feel like you're more likely to see in the current environment 
Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and I think that that's exactly what I want to discuss with you right now. And like I said at the top of the show, this is going to be a meandering, broad-topiced show. So just strap in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... So like like it's hard to discuss a meta, especially uh, beforehand. You have to. You probably have heard the term like meta trends, right? Have you ever heard people say that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it, that's basically you look at old older events. So I think a good one that we can look at now would be like the TTS league, which is a little bit harder to get data because they don't do list lock. Um, but if you look at the TTS league, that gives you a pretty good window into what the meta is uh, for certain people. You look at the Americans that are in the event and you'll see what a lot of Americans are playing right now or what they perceive as good, what they perceive as what they want to play. Um, And that can give you a good idea if you're going to an American event, what you might see, because one, those people might be there and they might be playing those lists or variation or people who may be getting into the game or people who aren't as confident building their own lists might be playing those lists and those strategies. So by nature of a big event, having been won or done well in with one of these lists, that becomes meta because people want to do that too. Yeah, I I think the best example of something like that, that I feel like we're going to see, uh, I wouldn't say a heavy amount of, but definitely we're going to see is shield on the backs of LVO and how well Vince did with his shield list. And so I think that, Shield is likely to see an uptick in quote unquote popularity while also being a more meta level squad because of that. Yeah. And like the, we might see a lot of shield and we might see Vince's exact strategy, which is kind of a go wide um, leverage, lots of guns. But, you know, we've talked about a couple a shield list on the show and I've seen other people talk about shield lists and they aren't like that strategy. So I think like when you're planning for shield, I think your general idea is that you need to plan for two things. One, you need to plan for eye in the sky because it's a big part of their strategy, no matter what you do at Helios laser. So while the meta might be all these different shield boys running around doing different shield things, you got to, you find the through line that makes them the centralized strategy, sort of what makes shield shield. And you can plan for that. Yeah, that's really insightful. And, uh, for me, that strategy is nuke Nick Fury as fast as possible. That's a good one. If you can get to Fury, Fury is a good one to kill. Yeah. I, I, I think two more we'll see a lot. Uh, maybe not a lot, but one that you will have to watch out for is definitely the Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Senor Thanos, Space Reality Thanos. Yeah. Um, that's getting That's been popular for a minute in the online sphere, and I think a lot of people are finally starting to break down and realize, like, Senor Thanos is really good, and Guardians is probably his best pilot. Yeah, space um, reality. Senor Thanos is is very good, and very good in Guardians because you can have this eight-threat model and then easily slot in another eight-threat worth of characters in Star-Lord, Rocket, and Groot, and, and that's just those three there. You can have any number of really good combinations within the guardians, I think to, to make lists and make affiliation and stuff. Yep. I mean, that's four character, 16 point squad. Yeah. With Thanos and like black order doesn't even do that. Black order does a three man squad with Thanos. 
So, and probably those same gems in a different configuration with Corvus. Right. So, and just imagine, just just for a second, imagine a Death's Decree rocket on like Deadly Duo or something. Yeah, Ugh. or um, I mean, just anyone with Death, like just Star Lord doing a full auto Death's Decree in this. Yeah. Thing. No, see, that's uh, that's a lot of death. <laughs> it's a yeah, like they're and they're not only that, but they're getting the rerolls. Yeah. Um, he's gonna whoever you're playing against is gonna predict where they want their rerolls. They're gonna put the tokens down. They have to deal with that. Um, so that's definitely something to think about. You, you need to be able to deal with Thanos or the Guardians. I think. I think when you come into a situation like that, you got to think: Can I kill Star Lord and or Rocket Group? Right. Or can I handle Thanos? Which handling Thanos might just be flipping him because then he loses his cosmic portal. Right. This could be you've tough. got the the attrition monsters of the of the three guardians because that's just a lot of dice for that point uh, for that point cost. And then Thanos is also an attrition monster with a lot of control, the best control piece in the game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty gross. So when we're talking about metagame and what we expect to see, we've already mentioned a couple of things. Uh, another one that I want to hit on, and this is maybe my own personal bias of something that I expect to see that I also don't want to see because it's a terrible matchup for me. Lots of unintentional rhyming. I love it. And that's brotherhood. Yep. And brotherhood is a pretty popular affiliation and one that you will probably see. Exactly. They are very popular right now, I think. And I think that that, Popularity is because they are equipped with a lot of different tools to do different stuff. So, Merzane, we have talked about this before, but I want to rehash, if you're playing Brotherhood, if you're going against Brotherhood, I should say, there's a play that you have to be aware of because... It's not it doesn't mean it's an auto win for brotherhood. It does not mean that you that they are going to instantly win the game if they do this. It just makes it that much harder for you to climb back in the game against them when they accomplish this. And what is that, Merzane? So, uh you probably seen people talk about it. I think we we were talking about it in in, in the Discord a little bit and we we just I think that's why we decided to hit on it, right? Cuz people Yes. Were. So, this is the uh Senators Mystique play um, with Hulk and Juggernaut. It sounds like a, like a play or something. Mystique Senators featuring Hulk and Juggernaut. <laughs> um, so essentially what it does is Senators is 19 th- uh, a 19 threat extract. That's usually what they want to aim for is a high threat, 1920 something in that line. And they're going to take Mystique, Juggernaut, Hulk, and then usually Toad or something to make affiliation. You know, whatever they need to do to make affiliation because they want that Mystique uh, leadership. So what they're going to want to do is there's six senators in the middle of the board, two, three closer to your side, three closer to their side. Juggernaut or Hulk is going to go first because they're going to win priority. They're going to pick their extracts. They're going to get this extract and you're going to get your secure or whatever. Hulk is going to double move forward or Juggernaut, grab your side's senator because they, with the small move, large base, the 65 millimeter, they have enough movement to get to your senators. They will pick it up. Mystique's leadership will give them a power back for interacting with an extract for the first time during this turn. And then they will use their movement ability for Hulk. It'll be Gamma Leap for 
Juggernaut, it will be nothing stops the Juggernaut away from you and either onto a point, like maybe a, sc- a scoundrel point, um, which will give them cover. Uh, so if you have scoundrels, <laughs> that might be bad. Or maybe back onto, I think they can get to like sword bases, but they can't flip them. And I don't think they can get to many else depending on where they sit. But they'll try to get back into cover or onto a point. And then you have a decision. Do I go for one of the other three on my side or one of the ones on their side before Juggernaut or the the other one? It's probably Hulk first, then Juggernaut. Before Juggernaut goes and grabs my other one on my side. And then they have two of mine. Uh, And if you do that, what will happen is Mystique can deception you away from the point. And then you have one of your characters holding a senator in the middle of the board, now on their side of the board, ready to swing attrition in their favor. Yeah. So typically what it means is they go up on senators. They'll have more than you, um, which is not great for you in an extract crisis with six points. So no uh, secure can out, outscore it. You will have to engage on the on the extract. And two really tough boys holding them that are able to, even with the one move action restriction, uh, really get around the board, get away from you, or get into you if they need to. Um, like you said, it's not an auto win, but it can certainly feel like it if you're unprepared. Um, yeah. So it is one of those things that, like, you just. You don't. If you don't have a plan for this, you do not play senators in your. That's part of the meta, right? Do not play senators because this is running around. Yes. Now, let's talk about how we deal with this play. And I, I want to be very clear here. You might play an event and never see this. This is definitely not necessarily something that you're guaranteed to see. At an Adepticon-style yep. event where there's, I think, 60 people, maybe 80. I don't even know how many people are in this thing. But when there's that many people playing and, you know, there, there's probably some sharks out there. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but there's, you know, people that are going to play hard. And this play is a play that you're only going to get your extracts or secures or whatever, I think, like 33% of the time. But a third of the time, basically, you're going to have access to a play that provides you with a significant advantage. So you can kind of look at it like that in that, at especially at a big event like this, you are likely to see it. So that's why I wanted to cover it and also because we had some questions about it. Let's talk about, Rizane, though, how we deal with this play. And I don't know if having specific characters is worth talking about, but definitely what we can do to mitigate some of the impact of this play. Yeah. I I think that there's definitely a lot of preparation for it in what's called turn zero. Uh, Turn zero is everything that happens before the game. Your list prep, when you sit down at the table, when you shake hands with your opponent, when you roll dice, everything that happens, deployment and and, and, and before. Um, I think turn zero is a big part of this match of this particular matchup. Like you said, having certain characters, I think helps something like a voodoo or a black cat to be able to, you know, get back your stuff. Um, hopefully safely yeah. is, is a big boon. 
what's also helpful is, like I said before, not having senators in your list. Even if you feel like you're pretty good at it or you're better than other affiliations at it, unless you're Brotherhood, you're probably not better than Brotherhood. Unless you've thought of like a really good counter strategy, if you've got a counter strategy, um, then you can risk running it. But if you don't, if you're just kind of hoping you don't see it, don't put this in your list, even if you think you're good at it. You're potentially just giving your opponent better odds at getting the thing that they want, and that's not really good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, another good thing you can do is you can force them to low points. So let's say like they pull, you pull Gamma, right? So Mystique, Juggernaut, and Hulk is what? That's 14, 14 points. points. So they could still do the strategy, but it's not going to be super effective on something like Gamma or Sword even. Um, you're still have to stare down a Hulk and a Juggernaut at 15 points, and that may be scary. But you can pivot to something that's a little bit more score-oriented score oriented, yeah. and try to outscore. Um, well, it's also worth noting in a scenario like that, and that's what I was going to talk about, is limiting the threat value as much as possible, I think, is the way to try to combat this strategy. And in that example there, I think it's really worth noting, there are six extracts on the board. A character can only hold one. So mm-hmm. at most, if they go Mystique, Jugs, Hulk, which I don't think that that would be what they would do in that situation, but let's just assume no. that they did that. They're only scoring three points off the extracts every turn, period. So you can leverage that into a scoring advantage down the line. Yep. So. And, and, you know, even if you get three versus three, right? You get, you get, they get all of your senators and you steal all their senators. Uh, and you're going even. If you win the secure, you're in a great spot. You don't even have to worry about the extracts until, you know, that opportunity becomes available to you. And if you go a little bit wider and you have something like a Dr. Voodoo, all of a sudden someone like that Hulk, when he gets voodooed, uh, isn't, isn't very comfortable. But more than likely what you said is true. They're probably just not going to play the strategy. They're probably going to pivot to something else um, because it's not as effective at those lower points. Right. Even if um, you can, they get it at like 16 points where they can bring Toad in. I still don't know if it's really worth it to bring the strategy because of how, how little they'll have on the table. Yeah. But that, that, that is definitely a, another turn zero way to, to help combat this, uh, this strategy is keeping your points low um, so that they have to pivot to something else. Exactly. I think that in in game in terms of in game stuff, um, it's a little bit more difficult because this is this is just one of those plays. It's sort of like we call it a gear check. Uh, yeah. If you're familiar with MMOs, you might know that term. But basically, uh, their their team is asking if you can answer this question. Do you have the tools to answer the gear available to you to uh, answer what they're doing? And if yeah. you do, and you use your right strategy, you'll be able to beat it. If not, it's gonna be rough. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like having a tactics card such as Eyes on the Prize and a character that can use it, such as Beta Ray Bill, let's using him as an example, is a way to gear check this strategy? No, because senators only allow you to make one move action. 
So if Beta Ray Bill activates the eyes on the prize, moves up, picks up a senator, his move action is spent for the round, uh, and then he cannot move back. Exactly. I just wanted to bring that up because <laughs> that might be a way that someone uh, <laughs> would think to do something like that. Yeah. I, it's honestly not the worst thing for in terms of like playing around deception. Um, you know, if you move someone up and then you move, do the do the eyes play to keep people back. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world to do something like that. Um, but you do, like you said, you have to keep it. You have to keep in mind it's it's not going to get you super safe. You're gonna have to do more setup, and if you just don't have any other way, it might be worth it. But then you also have to think about your other five tactics cards available to you. Do you have one that might help you out better for this situation? Right. Um, now, we, it's it's obviously in Brotherhood. Uh, this can also be kind of done in Avengers uh, with basically the same idea. They'll just do their superpower move first. So uh, the Gamma Leap or the Nothing Stops the Juggernaut first and then move away with a move action. Oh, wait, no, they can't. Never mind, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of something different. They have to use um, their movement tech to get out of there. Yeah, it's been the movement tech. There was something I did that was different. I think I used R&D, though. I don't remember. Um, there's there's things they can do that... Oh, they can still use the movement tech, sorry. Because they get the discount. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that, So they can the still discount. double move, pick it up, and get the get the move away. Yeah. I'm just I'm just psyching myself out of the problem. So, th- yeah, this is what I'm, I'm bringing this up for, is something like Eyes on the Prize. Or even if you have your own Hulk... You're not going to be able to do it the way Brotherhood, in this instance, under Mystique's leadership, is going to be able to do it because of the refund when you interact with an extract. Like, Hulk is going to start with three power, which is great, but then he's going to spend one of that power, so unless you're under Steve or Mystique here, you can't Gamma Leap back. Now, Hulk's relatively safe in that situation, even if he does get Deceptioned, still relatively safe. But just, I want to just illustrate the fact that you might be down on points when you see this strategy. You might be playing from behind. It doesn't mean you're out of it. Keep playing the game. Find those ways to claw back into it and realize that you're going to have to shoot your shot at some point in a matchup like this. You're going to have to shoot your shot because it's going to score fast, regardless of what the secure is because the slowest sor- scoring secure that we have is going to be three points per round. And that's probably something like demons or intrusions three points per round. So looking at the board state, there's a total of nine points available per round. You're not making it to round six. So having some way to shoot that shot to say, okay, cool. Hulk's got the thing. I'm going hard into Hulk. It's a dangerous strategy, but it can be done. So that, that's that's all I wanted to say in this is like, if, if you're not able to get the extract back or or do something to, to get it back or whatever, you're still not out of the game. You're just going to have to be more aggressive than maybe you're comfortable. Like that's me. I, I like to play less aggressive at times but this instance here I'm going to have to turn up the heat so yeah I totally don't have an answer for this play <laughs> uh, I, I think part of it could be to go for Mystique 
get her off the table, get the leadership out. It's not the biggest pain to the, to the list, especially because the trick's already done. But it does get like a really strong character out of the way. And if you can pick off everyone but Juggernaut and Hulk, that's a lot of work that they can do. But you start limiting wh- where they can where they can stand, how much they get for the extracts. And then if you can start just controlling them off points or whittling them down, um, that can help. And the more of their characters you remove, the less extracts they can hold. Um, and while Hulk and Juggernaut may be able to one-shot people with lots of dice, um, it's a lot less likely especially if you're spreading people out so they can only hit one person at a time. So like there is counterplay, but you just have to be, you have to commit. Um, You can't like play defensively against this roster as much as you want to, because it's scary. Um, You have to just go very aggressive and pick your targets. The little guys first, pick them off or lay into the big guys whole hog just all everything into one of the big guys until it's removed from the table yeah i mean Um, that that would be my plan i think that removing the toads and the mystiques might be a little better uh depending on your list right it's a little bit easier to one shot them and be efficient against them and build your power and stuff and get ready to go for the big guys later kind of like you're building up for the final boss yeah um but if you if you could get them in a situation like especially like scalpel right like juggernaut goes or whatever and you sneak strange in and scalpel them into the middle of your team uh that's very dangerous for them <laughs> yeah for him, even if you're playing a bunch of uh, mystic guys and baron mordo all of a sudden is buffing attacks into him it, it could be bad that's the idea <laughs> so yeah i i think that's probably the biggest like meta strategy that I can think of other than just generically like be ready for Magneto. You're going to see Rhino. You're going to get robbed. That that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do you have any other kind of like potential metagame things that people should be aware of Merzane? Um, so again, cause we're not talking, this is a good example of why metagaming isn't exactly the best most effective tactics available. Uh, because one thing I think we'll see a lot of is, uh, I say we as if I'll be there, Hellfire Club. Um, not because we necessarily know if it's good or not, but Hellfire Club is new. Um, mm-hmm. I think this will probably be the first major, at least the first major event in America where Hellfire Club will be usable, right? Like, Yeah, definitely. So you're going to get a lot of people trying stuff out like that. So part of the meta is probably going to be having a plan for something new like this. Um, unfortunately, you can't really plan for Hellfire Club as of now. Um, we don't know enough about the trends for the list. You know, a lot of people are, gonna, are talking about it just being the greatest hits models, like Dr. Voodoo, Rhino, X-23, like just all the most efficient models Yeah, at their point values with really good tactics cards. Like what you would normally see in an unaffiliated build just being brought with a leadership. But we don't know if that's true yet. Um, and even if it was, it's very hard to plan for. So they're kind of an example of something where you probably don't, it's probably going to be part of the metagame of this Adepticon, but you really don't plan for it. You just, you just try to, you just try to be as efficient and outplay them, especially because they're going to be people not getting a lot of experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Sorry. No popular. Yeah. That's popularity. A new thing. Another one is Psylocke. Probably going to see some Psylocke out there. 
You'll see a lot of Psylocke. She'll probably be making splashes in like convocation lists, you know, because of the yep. mystic stuff. Avengers. Uh, Avengers. Probably some X-Men. Uh, X-Men's another one you'll see a lot of, I think. Yep. X-Men and Brotherhood are so popular. Um, uh, X-Men will have a similar like grab and run strategy, I think. It's becoming very popular to do that kind of stuff. And it's a lot, it's very difficult for a lot of lists to deal with. Um, and then just Avengers shenanigans is another big one you'll see a lot of. Uh, probably not Nate's particular brand of Avengers shenanigans because um, he seems to be the only person in the world that likes to play Loki yeah. in Avengers. Uh, it's effective. It worked. It yeah. won him last year. Yeah. But I think Avengers, you, you know, you're going to you're going to see some Avengers because they're popular. Definitely. It definitely. Basically, you know, it's hard to quantify meta because, you know, we talk about it's probably what's kind of po- what's going to be played. It may not even be popular, but it might be what's. Pl- so it's not necessarily what's the most popular. It's what will be played. It may not be popular, but it could get played. Yeah. And while everyone's going to be trying to be as effective as possible and you probably will face some of the most effective tactics available. That is not necessarily the case. So it's really hard to define and really, you know, single in stuff, uh, yeah. which I think the last cast did a good job of hitting all sides, but what y'all needed to do was go straight up the middle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Uh, look, I saved it for you, Merzane. <laughs> I saved it for you. Speaking of saving things for you, I think we've covered the meta-ish stuff. So, unless there's something else you want to say about that. Um, I can't think. I think you'll... Beta Ray Bill will be everywhere. I can't really think of anything else. I think that, like, most of what we talk about here is probably pretty true. You know, you're going to see a lot of these things. Um... I, I haven't seen anything making like weird waves lately in a lot of the online stuff, but I could be wrong. Someone won the weekender with the Inhumans. This is true. Four player event. Uh, I don't foresee them becoming like Shield, where the next big thing that people play. Uh, they probably won't be part of uh, like a huge part of the meta game. Uh, but definitely watch out for something like that. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Brazane, let's now pivot. And take a look at my roster for this event because I feel like talking about having the tools to deal with certain things, this is where we are. This is this is kind of what I'm working with here. And we've talked about this list before. This was, I think, almost a month ago now, give or take. We talked about it and everything, and I've definitely made a couple of changes since then. Also, if you want to check out the House Party Protocol YouTube channel, there's a link in the description, so just click on that, and it will have this list from a like dojo match that Merzane and I did last week, and it was a really fun game. I really felt like I was dead in the water at one point, and then we talked about it and figured out that maybe not so dead in the water, but it goes to... The idea of, you know, don't get too twisted up, tilted up or or whatever in there and and find ways to win the game and stuff like that. I still in that game, particularly, I think at the point when I said climbing back into it would be pretty hard. It would have been, but it's like the tiniest amount of dice windows. You know what I mean? Yep. 
but it was still a fun game. So go check that out. And you can see our thought processes on different things and whatnot in that. So we're going to talk about this list and make some changes, make some amendments. I've got some ideas here about it. So uh, we'll just go ahead and go over everything with it, and then we'll break it down. So starting with the characters, we've got Ancient One, Baron Mordo, Clea, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Voodoo, Lizard, Wong, Red Skull, Master of Hydra, Beta Ray Bill, and Hulk for characters. For tactics cards, we've got the Ironbound Books of Shumagorath, Astral Ring, Plane of Poldock, Bar with No Doors, which is my leadership card, the Book of Cagliostro, Orb of Agamotto, Brace for Impact, Sacrifice, Eyes on the Prize, and Recalibration Matrix. And if you don't know what any of those do, don't worry, we can potentially talk about them as, as we go through. And then Crisis Selections, we've got Demons Downtown, Superpowered Scoundrels, Infinity Formula, Extract Crisis, we have Hammers, Spider Infected, and Struggle for the Cube. So, Merzane. Yes. I want to tell you where my head is before we get too deep into this. Mm -hmm. So, Clea and Red Skull Master of Hydra are the two characters that I am seriously on the fence about right now. And mm -hmm. Clea, because in some recent matchups, like I really like her range three throw. I think it can really surprise people. Cost you three power. It's range three, and she can throw size two or less short, which I think can really help with displacement and stuff like that. And then obviously her range three place, or it's place somebody within range two, but within range three of her. So she can also do a placement, which helps get my characters further up the board or get them to safety, stuff like that. I like those things, but the reason why I'm considering her for the chopping block again is because I just, if things break down, so if, let's say, Ancient One, Strange, Voodoo, the, the characters that can do some damage, if they break down and I really need to just push through some damage. And maybe I'm thinking about it wrong too, where I shouldn't be thinking about pushing through damage, but let's assume I've got to get an extract off of somebody. Clea is just really not helping me there. Right. And so her immunity to incinerate is great. I love having her on something like demons so I can put her on that back demon point. She just hangs out for the whole game and there you go. But what it what I've found ends up happening is I've got Clea hanging out in the back. I've got Wong hanging out in the back. I usually have Mordo hanging out in the back. And then I've got Voodoo and Strange doing what they do. So I've literally only got two characters that are actively participating in the game. Whereas three that are trying to stay alive and not, not be involved in the fisticuffs. Yeah. I think that's one of convocation's biggest points of weakness is you have a couple guys doing all the work and a lot of support. You have a lot of what we call it in war machine. It's probably another stuff support bloat, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of cool support stuff, a lot of cool ways. If all the, if all the parts start working, it's really great. But if a, one of your big cogs falls off the machine, you're just dead. Yeah. And that's, what's been happening to me lately 
in in games that I've played is uh, in our game. Strange, just just keeled over. Granted, it was it was by design in what you set up. You know, Magneto getting the re rolls and then just having a crazy spike roll off the rip, and then you get to re roll all that crap. But that's gonna happen. That's that's gonna happen. So if that cog falls off, do I have enough tools to stay in a game? And and that's where I think Clea kind of falls short. Right. And so that's why she's on the chopping block. So that's my spiel on Clea. Now, Red Skull Master of Hydra. He's another one that this, like, five-threat rando slot has been the hardest one for me to fill in this roster since I started playing it. It's been Ghost Rider. It's been Juggernaut. It's been Black Swan with the Power Gem, which is probably my favorite configuration, but I don't think it's the strongest. It's been now Red Skull Master of Hydra. It's been OG Strange. And when I look at, at Red Skull Master of Hydra here, I think he has play, and with his grunts being able to kill themselves, it basically sets up a scenario where if I play Ironbound books on turn two, let's say that it's turn two when I activate the books, I can then, on turn three, activate Red Skull, activate his troops, they can Hydra Assault for free, kill themselves, and then I can get books back for turn three, but as far as I understand it, they can't Hydra Assault to kill themselves unless they can make an attack? Is that right? Um, because the way it reads, Hydra Assault, action. This character makes a move action. During its next attack action this turn, this character may re-roll any number of its attack dice. After this attack, after the attack is resolved, this character is KO'd. Yeah, you'd have to make an attack. I would have to make an attack in order for them to be KO'd. So, why I bring that up is, like I said, play it on turn two, get the books back for turn three. Turn four, they get brought back into the game, and then I'm not going to have books for turn four. I could get it for turn six because they're only going to have one action on that turn four slot so it i like the play and i think that the these are the best grunts for trying to get books back but you're only going to really get it one time maybe two times if it plays long Mm -hmm. so i don't think leveraging that is what's going to be key with bringing Red Skull Master of Hydra, but it'll be like when I need it. You know what I mean? Like these guys can hang out on an objective for a game, for for the entire game. They can hang out on an extremist or on a scoundrel or whatever, and then when I need those books back, I can pop it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they're much different in terms of like how often you can do it than the Daredevil grunts, right? Because... Like, you start with an extract, and then you can pull that trigger anytime. But, like, what's the odds of them getting another extract later on in the game when, exactly. the, when the, the brawl is happening? It, it, you're exactly right. It, it is it is tough with them, too. That was 
that's why uh, Shadowlands Daredevil is not in this list anymore is because you get it one time reliably, and then after that, it's, you just hope. Well, I, I think, so, I'm not opposed to removing Red Skull. Um, but I am thinking, you know, with your clock that you mentioned, if you do a reckless uh, books turn two, round two, then you can do Hydra Tactic, the Hydra Grunt thing. They're going to die. You're going to get it back for round three. And you may not have it for round four, but you do have them for the two most important parts of the game. Uh, guaranteed. You don't have to make that decision of, do I use it on turn two or three? You can just do it both. Um, and not lose anything important. I yeah. also like that it's two characters in one for for secures. Yeah. Um, but we did... I, I, there are a couple characters I could see coming in over these two characters. If Red's... Because even if Red Skull is the proper choice, like, let's say that we can find a way to objectively tell you that Red Skull is the proper choice. If you're not comfortable playing Red Skull, and you're not confident... And he doesn't see the table, and when he does, you don't play him the way that you should, and therefore you're not getting the work you should. You should replace him with a different character. That's fair. That's like part of why metagaming isn't necessarily the most effective tactics. The most effective might be Red Skull, but you may not be able to leverage that correctly for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, we're not machines, we are people <laughs> who. Yes. Have very complex brain chemistry. Yeah. Well, um, I also want to bring this up when when we're talking about Red Skull or any character that we consider here. So, one of the weaknesses, interestingly, that I have found with Convocation is not so much physical attacks. Like physical attacks, as the game goes on, add up because Strange is only rolling three, Mordo's only rolling two, uh, Voodoo two or four dice and all that stuff. But usually you can mitigate a lot of that with the book's turn and stuff like that. And Mordo, I swear to God, if he's up there in the fight, you have made a mistake. <laughs> or it is for one very specific reason. But either way, so I don't think that physical attacks are really the problem. It's actually energy attacks that I think really present some weird problems for convocation and, and, I know someone out there is thinking like, what? Mordo's got four energy defense. Voodoo potentially has four energy defense. Strange has the three with the mystic armor. I'm, I'm telling you, I have had more problems against a Guardians list when it comes to just pure attacking than any other list because of just the amount of energy attacks that can just be pumped into someone like my Splash character in Lizard. You know what I mean? Or when I was splashing Juggernaut. As an example. And so I think Red Skull helps with that a little bit because if I look across the table and my opponent doesn't have a bunch of big throws, well, then I don't have to worry about Null Field unless I'm playing on the book's turn. But if they have a bunch of energy attacks, well, I can say, okay, cool, I'm going to just be Dispersion Field and I'm going to get four and five dice, respectively, physical and energy. Yep. So... That's another reason why I think Skull is an interesting one, and he provides that extra bit of pop that I was referring to when I was talking about Clea, like, you know, having three characters hanging out in the back 
versus now I have my Hydra Grunts and I have Red Skull, Supreme, and Voodoo that are kind of doing stuff. Well, I mean, the interesting thing too is uh, for five points, you get a really good brawler and then a guy that can sit on the back point like Cleo was all in one one character. Exactly. It, it It's like if you added a two-threat character to Clea to her card, like she had to bring it and she was five points. But, right. But she, but he is the five threat character and the Hydra grunts are just like helping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get, and we talked to, you know, energy being a weakness throws are also, I think a bigger weakness than physical. So like, that's one of the reasons brotherhood is, is a little bit rough. Yes. Uh, and he's just like, Oh, throws. What are those? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so he's, the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of like, yeah, I like him here. I don't have a ton of reps with him, but I'm willing to to, to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. I can mitigate the lack of experience with the few experiences that I do have is don't send him out on a wing all by himself to grab an extract. That is dumb. Don't do that. Yes. He, he <laughs> is very much where you want, you want to put him where the action's going to be. Yes. You don't want to put it where the action's going to be or where you know he's going to be able to secure a side like from people. You want him to be contested. You want him to be punching people. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. In terms of characters, though, do you have any characters that might be interesting here? I was, and also painted, I have to consider painted because I do not have time to fully paint another character right now. Yes. An- another example of where our, our medic, this is what we're doing right now is metagaming <laughs> this, this right now, what we are doing, the discussion of what we're going to bring to the game. This is metagaming. Yeah. Which it's, a, it's a scary word when you hear it, but when you realize that when having a discussion about a list is metagaming, you realize, Oh, just everything's metagaming basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We, so um, another example of why our metagame talk right now may not give you the most effective list because we do have constraints. Yes. And, uh, and, and that is part of it. It's also worth noting. This really only applies to me. We, this is a conversation Merzane and I could easily have not in podcast form, but I also think it's maybe valuable to someone out there to go through the process and the discussion points. Even if you have no desire to play convocation, I think that the concepts of what we're talking about can maybe have a through line. So anyways. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's so first character suggestion. Um, we've discussed him a little bit again, privately uh, Crimson Dynamo. Yeah. Um, so a few things that Crimson Dynamo does really well is he's very good against, he's very good against getting damaged, uh, but uh, especially good against physical because of his defense, but also he's, he reduces damage by one to a minimum of one, which like your lizard is and juggernaut is just fantastic. Um, it makes him very hard to kill. Additionally, he gives you a really good energy attack in the form of his beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, those beam four four threat characters, vision, uh, crimson dynamo. And you know, enchantress isn't a beam four, but she's a beam three and it's pretty good. Uh, those all, kind of do very similar things. They can just like saturate an area with big beams, but Crimson Dynamo can do it a little bit more effectively because he can move himself. Uh, 
And that makes it really easy for him to like get into crazy positions and just lay down a double beam. But the other thing he does uh, sneakily that helps the rest of your team survive is he applies shock to people. The mm-hmm. others, they'd sap power. He's going to shock them and make them either spend actions to get rid of the shock, meaning that's less damage onto you or less movements uh, into good positions. Or they're just going to have less effective roles in general, which may not win you the game because Marvel dice are Marvel dice, but it does start improving your odds. Yeah. Yeah. So Crimson Dynamo has been a heavy consideration for me for this list. But when I look at character replacement, I don't think adding another four threat is necessarily right. I think I would have to replace one of my current four threats. Because that might be true. Let's assume we take Clea out for Crimson Dynamo. That leaves us with Ancient One, Voodoo, Beta Ray Bill as four threats. And then we have two five threats and a six threat in here. So we are committing to the tall game more or less. Like Red Skull, you can kind of mitigate some of that, I guess, with his grunts. But pretty committing to the tall game. And like, what does that do for my point values? You know what I mean? Like then I'm locked into taking, you know, Mordo Voodoo Wong at a minimum to make affiliation. Yeah, which... That's nine points. That's not a bad nine point core, though. I don't hate it. Uh, I also then, hate not having strange, but that's another thing. At eleven po- or twelve points, you get the strange, and that's a three threat character you can add in, which could be your uh, lizard. Um. So yeah, it's a little bit more awkward, but. If we want a three-threat character exactly to uh, replace our boy here, we're not replacing Crimson uh, Sorry, we're replacing Clea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would probably think, honestly, um, Pyro is one. Yes. I think it's really good. Yeah, Pyro has been a heavy consideration for me for a while and for a lot of reasons. So I thought about maybe adding in like a Loki mind. I know Nate somewhere out there is smiling, but Pyro, I think, fills a little bit of that same role. He's different. He doesn't have the control elements, but being able to firewall people and then put that incinerate out, help my damage output, stuff like that, I think is valuable in, in his part. Fire manipulation, all of that stuff, it's super, super good. Then... Also, we talked about the extract and having a plan for extract shenanigans. I have a 10th tactics card that I do not care about legitimately. So I could say, cool, that 10th tactics card becomes pyrotechnics. And if it's a senator's, I bring pyrotechnics. I bring voodoo. I I do all the stuff to try to get that extract off of somebody. So Pyro is a huge consideration. The only issue is I can't, and this is, again, metagaming, I guess you could say. The only issue is I can't bank on having access to a Pyro. Right. So I think Pyro is our first choice, but then we need to come up with a backup. Well, so I I think Pyro's 
a really great choice for Clea. I think if we're going to drop a four threat, I think we could drop Ancient One for Crimson Dynamo and not feel bad about it. Yeah. Because I rarely put Ancient One on the table. Ancient One is here for me for my Guardians matchup. That's the biggest reason because I really like taking her up against Groot and Rocket because like Winds of Watum and stuff like that, if one of them attacks her, she can reposition them and stuff like that. You know, she's got a really good spender and Astral Strike, but everything she does is kind of close range and can kind of, uh, I don't know. She she's just lives and dies by those dice sometimes, like a lot of characters do. But I think Crimson Dynamo can provide more overall value to the squad than I think Ancient One does as a tech piece. And I think he's sneaky good into that combination too because they have to sit next to each other and you can get into a good beam position where you can hit both of them from afar. Yeah. And while, you know, Groot may you know take both hits or whatever, if you go into Rocket first with your first beam, he has to bodyguard it into Groot and then he's going to take another one on Groot and that might be enough to get rid of the Groot. And on the second go around, if Groot's really low, you can go into Groot first, hopefully take out the Groot, and then get an attack into Rocket, which may or may not do anything because of the cover. But you could get a shock on him, and that's going to make a lot of things really, really miserable for him. Oh, definitely. He's and he's good at resisting the two. If they if one of them shoots him, he can like if Rocket shoots him from afar, he's probably not dying. And then he gets to do the convocation hop. And then when it's his round, he can do his own little hop. So he starts getting like a lot of really weird mo- mobility in your affiliation. Yeah, and uh, and he increases the survivability of the rest of my squad on something that is more clumped up with his reroll thing. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'll have to make sure I have a line on Crimson Dynamo and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that I think that's a pretty cool swap. We are losing a little bit of the control element because. Angel one's kind of a cool control piece if you're doing control convocation. Um, but I think, I think that for this, at least pivoting away from you trying to force yourself to be like a more control with a backup punch and going back to where you're comfortable with a punch with a control element is where we want to lean to. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing hard control more or less, a lot lately and I like that I've I've felt comfortable doing that but Ancient One Ancient One's just an interesting character I think the Ancient One's a good character and I think she's good with Convocation her stat line of 2-3-5 on defenses it doesn't look as bad when you think that she gets to automatically re-roll two defense dice on or, or dodge dice so it kind of makes her a little better but again you're banking on re-rolls and dice versus straight damage reduction and then when you think about what she can do from an attack perspective having a five dice mystic attack with a wild pierce is very nice especially again into these matchups like weapon x and stuff i think yeah you're close and you don't necessarily want to be close but you get to have martial artist oh man i just thought about that like martial artist with ancient one Oh, and and into that. But you don't get martial artist. Uh, you would probably rather uh, do book stuff, and you don't get martial arts on books tech. Yeah, that's fair. 
I think I think martial artists for her really needed to just be she counts blanks. It it really does. It it needed mystic martial artist or something. Oh man, she'd be I, unkillable. I, I, <laughs> I think that um I think that even Crimson Dynamo is pretty good there because while yes, they're gonna be able to you're gonna get the you know, you're not gonna get the martial artist where she can probably block two. He's going to basically auto block one all the time. Right. And even if he rolls two blocks to go over and they pierce it, he's still netting even with her. Um, but he's got energy, which they're also not great against. And you pack enough mystic to deal with their mystic uh, weaknesses. All right. Crimson uh, you actually don't have a whole lot of energy. Yeah. You're absolutely right. All right. So Crimson Dynamo is in. I'm, I'm setting that here. We're taking Ancient One out. We're putting Crimson Dynamo in. Next up, um, for Clea. All right, so we've talked about Pyro. I think Pyro's probably the play, but I had two suggestions that I mentioned to you privately, and I want to put this out there in the world because I have these two models painted, first of all. Second of all, I think that it's interesting. So, first up would be Iron Man, and we're talking about energy attacks, tankiness. I don't think Iron Man really hates the leadership ability to place and like, okay, he's just out of range. Maybe he gets to place now. He's in range kind of a thing from the leadership. And then also the possibility to bring a Helios or the big boys. Right. Questions, concerns, comments. So my concerns are twofold and it's all related to power. So the first one is that him getting his power to do Friday AI stuff. It's a little bit more difficult and he doesn't like it's stuff like Avengers or, you know, he's got a fallback in that he, it, the first one costs him less. So if he doesn't make his value back, he should get it again next turn. At least he didn't have that in this. So if you flub a, a Friday AI roll, you might just be out for two more turns again. Mm -hmm. um, and second Helios is alternatively, the reason he's good in shield is because you have six other guys to shoot instead of him. So you have a lot of ways to mitigate his bad rolls because you're just, all your guys are mitigating each other's bad rolls. I, I needed, needed to mention that. Um, and he, with Helios, again, in Avengers, you know, they don't need their power as much, so they have more to spread. Um, and in S.H.I.E.L.D. and also Avengers, you have more guys. Typically, they don't need all their power. And for that one big turn, you know, it's worth it to get the, the big attack. But in Convocation, you have usually have less guys. You're usually running a little bit taller. And your guys really want their power. Like, yeah. Sorcerer Strange does not want to give th two power to Tony to give to get two dice. Uh, Voodoo doesn't really want to give up his power. Um, Red Skull doesn't really want to. Like, you have a lot of power-hungry guys. And trying to steal power from them to fuel a Helios laser, it's a little rough. Like it's a good ace in the hole, but if you're bringing Iron Man and Helios, like you're kind of banking on that being a thing you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So, so maybe we put Iron Man to bed. The next one that intrigues me is Gwen Stacy or Ghost Spider as she's affectionately known. But the reason why Gwen intrigues me here, one Mobility, I, I love the idea of a long mover just kind of out of nowhere, 
going and snagging something that a grunt is sitting on or something like that, right? I think that's really interesting and fun. The more interesting thing for her is the ability to lifesaver my more important models like Doctor Strange, like Doctor Voodoo, uh, even a Hulk or a Beta Ray Bill, something like that. Being able to say, okay, cool, uh, Magneto, you're going to come in, you're going you're gonna to set up for your rerolls. Well, Gwen's going to yoink Doctor Strange out of, out of range so you now don't get your rerolls. Um, I think she's probably okay. Like, Gwen's a good splash anywhere. She just doesn't get splashed a lot. Um, and part of that is we talked about needing a little bit more oomph sometimes. Mm-hmm. Her oomph is a little lacking. It sure it's can It's really be. good when you get power. But getting power on her can be a little hard. Yeah. So I actually, I like her better than Iron Man. Uh, but she's still a little, she, she gives you a lot of things you don't have, like a long mover, right? Like yeah. you even have a long mover in list. No. So that's the thing she gives. Uh, that gives you a little bit of flexibility on certain stuff. She gives you some good forms of push. And Lifeline is really good, like you said. Um, but with when she's sort of a high, not a high maintenance piece necessarily, but she's a big mental load. You have to really be thinking about replacement with her to get her proper usage. And last minute adding her in for a big event, it feels a little unsafe. Like, yeah, I think you could get work out of her, but I think you're going to be, you know, I think you might get a little bit of analysis paralysis with her if you haven't got a lot of experience with her on the list. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. That's fair. I I do think that going forward after this uh, event, she might be a good one to start experimenting with, though. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's probably a good idea. For this one, it wouldn't upset me to see another one in the slot yeah okay so the last one that i think we have to consider is baron zemo zemo's always good zemo's <laughs> always good i hate the idea of clumping up around him but at the same time that reroll would be clutch and he's got the four mystic for the book's turn so that's always fun and it's not even like it, again it's a long mover with a lot of oomph that could build his own power really well um, he's usually pretty independent, so even if you don't want to clump, you you sort of look at the his reroll as like a bonus for your affiliation. I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of like Cabal relies on it a little bit more heavily than you do, because um, all your guys are pretty independent. Yeah, and Zemo is also independent, but if he gets close, he can really help. Uh, he's sort of like how you know Baron Mordo is a big support piece with some range attacks. But he's a big offensive piece with a good support ability. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily have to keep him safe in a way to get his work done. He does get work done if you do that. Um, but you can very easily feel good about sending him off to a flank like you did with your red skull that one time and <laughs> holding that flank down because it's going to be really hard to remove from it. And as someone comes for him and he's just like, well, I don't think this is a fight I want to take. He can just leave. And his rotation isn't going to hurt you that much because he's so fast. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that Zemo is a bad choice. Um, you don't get any control out of it is probably the biggest negative to him. Yeah. 
but he has a lot of other good synergies. He does. I agree. So with the next one, Merzane, I keep saying it's just one more, but I'm like scrolling through the list frantically here and another one popped up. And this one is here as a like, okay, maybe if I can make my affiliation and I need a two threat, is Bullseye worth considering? You know, I do like me some Bullseye. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think where you would be more likely to enjoy Bullseye um, would be if you configured your list where you had a really comfortable core that didn't involve Wong and you dropped Wong for Bullseye. Yeah. Because uh, I think in your list, you don't want two two threats because you don't want to go super wide very often. Right. And typically when you do two threats, you're either modulating them for something. And I don't think, I think you're using Wong to hit affiliation. So you're not modulating your two threat very often. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to go wide. Like he's, I, I wouldn't see him as a bad choice though. Um, not our number one, but I think you would need to do a little bit more configuring part first. And yeah. Really think about your squad configurations um, really heavily. Like have, you know, like go to Crit Wild and have your breakdowns ready so that you can slot in Bullseye. Uh, uh, but yeah. he does have a lot of merit. I do do love me some Bullseye. He, he went from zero to hero real quick. Oh, Bullseye, definitely. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it's one of those things where I consider him in the sense of like, being able to get that little bit of extra damage through and being able to sit on a point, you know, when we talk about our secures and stuff like that, having infinity formula, I have a scoundrels, which I don't know if I really want that. I, I keep coming back to, I don't think I really want scoundrels here, but just, I think Zemo is probably the answer here. If I'm not playing pyro. I think I think there's also an argument if you get there and you feel if you're feeling the need for Zemo, Pyro isn't a terrible drop for the Z. I think they're both pretty similar. I think they do very different things. Um, but I think that Zemo's just good. Yeah, Zemo is just good. I have him mostly painted. I could probably finish him in the next day or so. And yeah, and I'll I'll have bullseye with me and then that way because and he's fully painted too so i can be like okay cool if <laughs> if something goes awry i can slot a bullseye in and you know this is how you win events right here <laughs> now watch you're, you're gonna fall you're gonna do your fallback fallback into bullseye and bullseye is going to win you at epigon it's what's gonna happen uh so in terms of characters we've got baron mordo strange supreme voodoo lizard wong red skull master of hydra beta ray bill hulk crimson dynamo and zemo and I do need to go ahead and, and say this before I say anything else. To the people out there that are hooking me up with some painted models at the con, Matt, Nate, I, I gotta say thanks so much. Uh, Rob, potentially, also. Like, thank y'all so much. Like, I, I am terrible. I really need to get this shirt made that says Grey Lord. I don't paint <laughs> on it. Because, like, yeah. This, I, I really want to. <laughs> it is a good one, and it'd be great to have that at Adepticon, but nobody steal that idea. All right, I put it out there in the world. I was keeping it close to the vest, but that's the next shirt from House Party Protocol because I think it's hilarious. So, yeah. 
Thank you, guys. And now let's talk about tactics cards. Oh, well, oh, I thought I had a couple suggestions. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, you have suggestions. Sorry, I've, I'm totally glossing over your suggestions, Merzane. Go ahead. Uh, so one that I have is uh, Captain America, uh, the Sam variety. So very fast, can get some output, has some control. Uh, and airlift, while not exactly what uh, Clea does, is very similar. A little bit more limited as well because it's only size two guys. But pretty good. And he's pretty good in energy defense, energy attacks with his uh, vibranium shield. Uh, just overall a cool character. Uh, can get basically anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I like Sam. Does Sam equal better than Zemo here? Um, I think like Pyro, it's more of a lateral shift. Yeah. He's got more control than the support. He's got a little bit more offense, a little bit more safely than your Pyro. Um, but he doesn't have all the support benefits necessarily. He can do some support, but it's not your main goal. Right. Uh, so there's sort of some trade-offs. He's also very fast. Yeah. Uh, not quite as fast as Zemo, but he doesn't need to be because he's got a range four that ignores cover and line of sight. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I think Sam's interesting because it does play into that control element, but I feel like Zemo, if I really need to kill something, I can, like Zemo feels good. Like I can say- Pretty good at it. I'm, I'm, I need to delete, like I've, I've got to just- shoot my shot, delete this thing, you know, here we, here we go. Steel rush master swordsman. Yep. My final suggestion is a two part suggestion. It is Luke cage or red guardian bringing their respective heroes for hire or comrades keeper card. So I really thought about Luke cage actually, like I've played a little bit of red guardian in my convocation and he's fine. You know, he's got the four mystics, so on, like, the book's turn, that's really nice. But I haven't had his survivability work out for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get that he can count blanks and stuff like that, but it's just, for whatever reason, I, I've played against a Crimson Dynamo that just literally tanks everything for no good reason other than just my dice are terrible, his dice were hot. But when I've played Red Guardian myself, it's just like he just kind of absorbs attacks and keels over, which I guess is a good thing. But I say all that to say, I like Luke Cage of the two of these. Yeah. It, the pro, so there's, there's a good and a bad for both, and it's specifically their cards. Because uh, I think Luke Cage is obviously more defensive and can continue to bodyguard, but he doesn't have as much output and he doesn't have the reach. Um, but Heroes for Hire has to be paid for by the person you're helping right which can be a problem sometimes in this list uh sometimes they don't want to pay their power yeah uh, a little stingy whereas red guardians is great because turn two he should be able to do it uh because his shield throw will get him a power so if he can move grab an objective and throw the shield he's got it for next round if he doesn't pick up a, a, an objective he's got it for next round um, and while it's only one shot, he can do it. And it's also, I believe, in any size throw if he doesn't die. It is. Um, so that's one of the reasons, like, Luke is probably a better character than Red Guardian in a lot of ways for a lot of lists. 
but Red Guardian paying for it himself ends up being such a big deal. Um, yeah. And then also the throwing size. Like, throw, throw that Sentinel to your heart's content, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I like... I like the Red Guardian. I mean, I like both of these characters as an idea. I'm I've got more reps with Luke in terms of what I know he can do and how his positioning game works and everything. And saying, "Okay, cool, I'm gonna put Luke right here. He might survive for a little while. Oh, and you're gonna be attacking him a lot. Yep, like too dangerous to ignore. I feel like is the ultimate bodyguard ability in a lot of ways, where it's like, you know." I don't want to attack Luke. Well, you're gonna, but I don't want to, but you're gonna, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it, it, there's such, I love the dynamic between too dangerous and bodyguard because bodyguards like, I'm going to protect this guy or these two guys. And Luke's like, I'm going to tell this guy he can't hit anybody but me. Exactly. Exactly. It's a really interesting dynamic. And it's one of those where uh, Luke's interesting. I'll, I'll consider Luke again. We got to consider the painted option because, uh, if I can find a painted Luke somewhere or a painted Red Guardian, I'll consider them. This is the same thing with Pyro. I don't know if I've got a line on a painted Pyro or not, and I know I'm not going to have enough time to get any of these guys from gray to painted up between... I've got to work tonight, so it ain't going to happen. But... If only I could let you use my painted Luke cage because it looks very good. If, I mean, you know, I could just call in sick, but that would be, that'd be bad. I'd probably get in trouble for that. It's irrelevant. So I'm going to say Zemo with a backup of Bullseye, with a backup to the backup of Pyro, if I can find Pyro, with a backup to the backup to the backup of Luke Cage, with a backup to the backup of the backup of the backup. I think I did that right. Maybe one more backup, and that would be Crimson Dynamo. All of this for Clea. <laughs> All of this for Clea. We have a, we have a, like a tree of, like a decision tree. A decision tree. Exactly. I like it. So, so yeah. I think that's all we got for characters. We need to move this along because we are running a little bit long. And uh, let's go with tactics cards now. So Ironbound Book, Plane of Poldock, Bar With No Doors. Those are the guaranteed, they will not come out, Convocation cards. And we've got Brace for Impact, Sacrifice, Eyes on the Prize. Recal is like my 10th card. For other Convocation cards, I've got Astral Ring, which is place a token out and everything I do is measured from that token. But I cannot pick up Extracts. With that token i can contest objectives but i cannot pick up extracts it is a very important note that i have been told you can contest extracts yeah it says this character does not contest objective token normalies instead the projection token contests all objectives as if it were this character yeah you can't i'm saying you can't pick up the extract but you can contest it but i can contest it uh then we got the book of cagliostro which i did pull off recently and it weirdly felt good but it's also extremely power intensive and takes a lot of setup. It's choose a convocation character, chosen character, and two other characters. So they don't have to be convocation, the two other ones. But the convocation character that I pick has to be the one. Everybody spends two power. I can remove the activated token from the chosen character. And then during the cleanup phase, I can discard two team tactics cards to get this back. Pow powerful effect. But I've... I've only used it a few times, and every time I've used it, it doesn't feel like it's worth it. But um, I still think it's I think it's good for certain stuff. I'm keeping it. I think I'm keeping it. Yeah. And then we've got the Orb of Agamotto, which is Rainbow Bridge. If you're familiar with that, 
Convocation character not holding objective spend three power, place within three. And that's any number of convocation characters. It's for strange. Honestly. It's it's also good to chase down those Brotherhood characters that are, you know. Yeah. Or or those X-Men characters that are running away. If you if you anticipate a runaway strategy, Orb's pretty good. Yes. Also, it's really good on turn one because you can get strange placing range three, which is his scalpel. You can do it for one cheaper and then interact with the midline, attack people, all that fun stuff. True. Maybe a little bold, but it, it's, it's, it's it's doable. Yeah. Uh, so all of that is is what I have right now. I don't think I really want to drop any, like maybe Astral Ring could come out, maybe. Yeah, I have two very easy suggestions. But let, let's have it. Uh, Astral Ring for Mission Objective. Okay. Um, and Recalibration Matrix for whatever character you add in. Right. Yeah. So like the, if you add in pyro pyrotechnics, if you add in Luke heroes for hire, if you don't fall back, fall back, yeah. fall back would be a little bit better here. Yeah. I'll go ahead and take recal out now and put fall back in as a way of reminding me that <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like mission objective for astral ring as well. The thing about astral ring, that's interesting. So I can, place an astral ring out from someone like a strange and he can do a lot from that token, but then he's kind of stuck where he is. So it can, it can keep strange safe, but then you have to leverage whatever you do on that turn into, okay, well now I need to, on the next turn, I'm burning my scalpel to get back into the fight or I'm burning my scalpel to do this or that. So it can kind of create a wonky situation there, or I've used it with Voodoo before, same thing, like, okay, Voodoo is safe for a round, but then he's going to have to spend a round going and doing other things. Yeah, I, I think it's better for uh, OG Strange, because you can have him somewhere safe, and then he can pop up, do his work, and then stay safe, and he doesn't mind as much moving the next round to get into position, because he's got things he can do that aren't attack. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that with your, I think with the current configuration we've got, it's just, you don't have very many good characters to use it with. And it's better for control, I think, because you can put someone on a secure that can't be moved. Yeah. And you just don't want to do that in this list. I think you want to just like go in and you want to, you want to be flinging people off or killing them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, secure crisis now. Demons is staying in because I will have at least two characters that are immune in Beta Ray Bill and Dr. Voodoo. So I'm not taking that out. And 19 threat is my favorite threat value in the game. Infinity Formula. I kind of really like this right now for complication. Like, yeah, okay, my opponent gets power. I'm also gaining power. I'm able to kind of determine my lane of attack and stuff like that. 17, I really like 17 right now because I can voodoo and strange. That gives me nine. And then if I add Mordo in, that's 12. So then I have another five threat to play with. So that becomes Master Red Skull. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Or it could become Lizard and Wong. Or if I don't put Mordo in, 
I can throw Wong in. That's 11. And we've got ourselves a Hulk, folks. So I don't hate 17. I don't think Infinity Formula with a Hulk is actually very good for me. But I'm just saying, like, I think 17 is a good threat value for me. And it's good into Guardians with the, um, with the Space Gem, Space Reality Thanos. Why is that? Because they had... Because uh, they have to go sep- uh, 16 points for their core with Thanos. Ah, uh, yeah. They either have to drop Rocket or Groot or drop Thanos to make 17 or play a point down. Yeah. Which, playing a point down is not unlikely, but that extra point can matter. It can, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I really, I, I, maybe I'm overthinking it. I like my 17. And look, there's a world where I drop Strange. I probably won't do that ever. But there is a world where I drop Strange and I take voodoo mordo wong to make affiliation and you know that's that's a nine affiliation right there and then we season to taste after that not a bad move i think that's one where um bullseye might look really cool but yeah uh i don't think you're going to be doing that here because you're you you uh you're very confident with your strange i am uh, also, we do need to <laughs> to note, out of my 10-person roster, I literally have four affiliated characters. Yes. You are a little predictable, but that's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that really matters too much. Uh, so, Scoundrels here. We talked about this earlier. I don't feel comfortable playing into, like, a Kingpin Syndicate on Scoundrels. I just don't. No. So, this has to become something else. How comfortable are you at 15? Well, let's look at what our options are. Right? Let's look at what our options are. So, assume I'm playing Strange. Because I, I, yep. I'm pretty much always playing Strange. So, that's five. Then Voodoo makes nine. Hulk? Uh, I don't think you want to go three wide. I think you want to go four or five. I agree. But I'm just so saying it's So, if you go Strange... Let's say you, your Strange Voodoo Wong is 11 you can add in one of your four threats. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill would be probably... Beta Ray, yeah. Beta or Ray Dynamo. really good. Yeah, or Dynamo. But Beta Ray Bill... Beta Ray Bill, like, I'm really liking him right now, especially in Convocation, because he, he doesn't have the out-of-activation movement that I necessarily want, but, man, he's got some pop, and he can... Uh, he's got some survivability that I really like. If you go um, Wong Voodoo... Mordo, so that's nine points. Okay, no, that doesn't work. Never mind. I'm joking. Uh, if you go Strange, Mordo, Wong, you can do Red Skull. Yeah. So um, are you thinking Gamma here? Is that what you're... No. What do you think? Sword. Sword, okay. So I like Sword for, for Convocation in a general sense. What is the negative matchup I would run into with Sword? Probably low point Guardians because they'll be able to outscore you. So here's where I think like Red Skull helps shore that up though. If they have like the five or six characters, um, they'll activate last and it could be hard for you to keep Sword Base, which isn't as devastating anymore because you don't, it's not an all or nothing. It's not an all or nothing, right? But Red Skull can help you shore that up, which Red Skull is one of the ones we like for Guardians anyway. because if they pass too much, they'll give you priority. Yeah. So you can, it, like, 
you won't ever have last pick because they won't ever give it to you, but you can like force them to make weird decisions. So where they would normally want to pass, they won't pass. Yeah. So you said Voodoo Mordo Wong. Uh, Voodoo Mordo Wong is nine points. It's fourteen points. It's a strange, strange Mordo Wong. Mordo Wong. It's so you take Voodoo out of it. Yeah, that's that's extract dependent. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind sword base. I I I like sword base. In a lot of ways, I don't know if I love my fifteen, but I also think having access to a fifteen kind of helps with the brotherhoods of the world. This would be your most questionable. Something that you probably need a little bit more practice with for the people, yeah. But, um, it also helps, like you said, it helps with the brotherhood. It, yeah, I think it helps with the brotherhood matchup. It's oh man, yeah. I'm gonna go with it because I I I feel better on sword than I do on scoundrels. Yeah, I'll tell you that. So we're going to put sword in. See, and I think if you get it at higher points, like if you pick your secures and they pick a higher threat, like yours even happier. Cause I think that you're pretty good at sword. Yeah, I agree. I, I like my sword. I do have enough levels of control elements that I think I can play. Okay. And if I have to playing Hulk on sword base, isn't terrible. Yeah. I, I kind of, kind of okay with that. Hulk Buster's kind of nuts on sword base. Uh, yeah, well, somewhere out there, a Schultz gets its wings. Because you said Hulk Buster. <laughs> uh, extract Crisis, I'm happy with hammers and the uh, five extractees. Yeah. Um, I, I could yeah, say... I don't I could, see any reason. I could say this. I could see myself dropping cubes for Montessi because a Mystic Beam I super like. You can't re-roll it, though. I can't re-roll it, which that's fine. I don't really care about re-rolling it. But, I mean, it's a mystic beam and like, okay, cool. You want to come into my most good defense value? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's It slows a, the game down. It's a too, slow game, though. Looking, that's the thing. If you want to slow the game down, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, It's also probably a little better into shield than cube because they like cube because it makes you take more damage yeah i'm gonna put in books because i am very comfortable playing on montessi okay yep so that's 18 cubes. points which I, it could be better for you yeah i haven't done all your breakdowns yet yeah i mean like what would my 18 look like in this instance you you drop a wong for one of these three threats so you do strange voodoo is nine mordo is a is 12 and you have Six more points, so you can do two. You can do two, three threats. Yeah, or you can do like Zemo Lizard. Yeah, I mean I, that's that's a uh, Zemo Lizard or Mordo, or I've already got Mordo, and so yeah. Or you could drop Mordo for Wong, and do Beta Ray Bill in a three. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I think this is there's a lot of interesting options that I'm gonna have, and it's gonna be tough. I'm not going to lie. This is going to be tough to to sort out and parse and making changes like this a day before I leave for the event. Probably not the smartest thing. Not a great plan. However, <laughs> however, I'm comfortable enough that I feel like I can mitigate whatever kind of craziness might happen. And the slow the slowest combination of scoring 
that I'm going to have would be Montesi and something like a Demons or Intrusions. And there's still six points per round available. So you can make up some ground somewhere. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I think this is a good, I think this is a good thing to, to play. And if you, if you get time before you could get a couple practice games in, a couple pickup games to really try some of the new, yes. new options. Yes, definitely. But uh, anyways, we have to bring this podcast to a screeching halt. Merzane, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you? You can find me on the Gamers Guild podcast. We're all fine. Podcasts are sold. Yes, do that. Also, uh, make sure to go go give some love to the Gamers Guild. If you're interested in watching any of the Adepticon coverage, the Professional Casual Network is going to be doing a lot of streams from there and everything. So uh, make sure to give them some love. Check that out. They're a good time over there. And also, if you're interested and uh, you want to support the show, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can come and hang out on the, the chillest, the realest, the illest, the thrillest, the bestest, this most excellent Discord channel that exists. And, you know, that's not just because it's the House Party Protocol Discord. It's just this facts. It's objective facts. But it's uh, true. <laughs> it is the metagame of Discords. It is. It is. It's a good time. You know, we talk about all kinds of different stuff. Uh, we've we talked about Adepticon, we talk about different lists, we talk about tactics, talk about Shatterpoint, talk about any any number of different things. It's a really great time. It's a great community over there. Thank you all that are participating in that and a part of that Patreon program, a part of our Discord. Thank you all so much for that. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you can send us messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Send me DMs on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will on most of the major Discords. And, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for more fun stuff for me. I will be posting on social media on the Facebook for House Party Protocol all throughout the weekend. So make sure you check that stuff out. And, uh, yeah. Expect some news next week. Because, yeah, good things happening. With that, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down, Suits. Suits.